daughter-in-law's grandfather, and he was going to have a, uh, a, a great section of his colon removed. He was having some problems and so on and so forth. And uh, all of a sudden, in walks this uh, real jovial, jubilant guy. And uh, they, he said, I'm Dr. Brantley. And there was about, I guess, there's 10 or 12 of us in the room there. And I was really impressed because after he talked with us and was a small talk and introduced himself to everybody or let them introduce themselves to him, he got ready to do this thing and he asked, are you ready? And he said, yeah, I'm ready. And he said, well, now let's go ahead and talk to him that can do it because I can't do it on my own. Amen. I thought that's pretty remarkable because a lot of times guys reach that level of expertise or education and they feel like they are God. But you meet a man here in Dr. Damon Brantley that knows that he alone is Lord, and beside him there is no other. Since then, we cultivated a relationship and a friendship, and um, I count him a friend. And um, I got looking at his bio, and uh, um, I, I saw where he had gone to school. And uh, anyway, he did his residency and his internship at LSU Medical. So we know, and, and I wore my tiger socks for you today, brother. I just wanted you to know that. So, um, I knew there was something special about him when I saw him, but nonetheless, more important than all of that, he's a great man of God. Um, and to tell you that, I count his opinion, or I hold his opinion in high regard. Um, he has prayed for me. He has prayed for our church. He has sent people to our church. Uh, he helps coach pastors and various uh, ones along, and uh, He's just been a friend to me. And I felt like when the Lord laid that cultural differences on my heart, the first name that popped in my head was Damon Brantley. I was on my way to take the little dog to the veterinarian, and I, I sent him a text, and he called me back, and he readily said, if my calendar is available, I'm certainly going to do it. So he gave me two dates. I said, let's do this one. Amen. So right now, without any further ado, and uh, I, I, how many of you know every time the devil fights something hard, there'll always be something good? Amen. We struggled with some audio-visual type stuff, but regardless with all of that, we're going to bless the Lord, and He's going to speak to our hearts today. So would you make Dr. Damon Brantley welcome right now? Come on, brother. Obey the Lord. Testing, testing. Am I working? Good. All right. So I'm going to let you know just how good Pastor Sainz is. All right. Normally when you go visit someplace, they'll hand you that uh, handheld mic because they don't want you to take their personal boom. See, this boom thing here is very personal. It fits your face. You get accustomed to it. And Pastor said, well, I'm going to let you hold my boom, but I usually boom on the left. I said, well, Pastor, I boom on the right. And he said, well, Doc, have your way. Amen? Amen. And so now his boom is bent, guys. <laughs> and so when he gets it back, he's going to have to try to bend his boom back. He might not get it back, but God is still good. Amen? Right. Amen. We're here today because your pastor is anointed, loves God, loves people. 
And what we have seen occur in our country over the last several weeks has been painful and traumatic. And it was too much for him just to sit by and say, I'm going to let it go. Now, understand, pastor's doing well. Not one, not two, but three jumps yesterday. Amen? <laughs> Amen? Life is good. He is jumping out of perfectly fine airplanes and living to tell about it. That's when you know that a man is living well. Amen? But there was something that moved him to say, I'm not satisfied. And so here we are. And we're going to pray briefly. We're not going to spend too much time, but we're going to get into this because there's some important information that we want to share. But most of all, we want you to know that this isn't anything new. All right? That we are just going to remind you of what the Lord has already put on your heart. Amen? But we are to bear one another's burdens, and together, right, we will move forward in a way that will please God. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for another day to serve you, Father. Not our will, but thy will be done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week, if you were here last week, raise your hand. Amen. If you're able to catch it on YouTube, raise your hand. All right, amen. So most of you here heard that. Last week, the message was crisis in America. All right. Who here believes that we have a crisis in America? Amen. All right. So, Pastor, that was a good choice of a message because everybody says that we have that need. But today we're going to talk a little bit about choice in America. Amen. And the reason that we're going to talk a little bit about choice in America is because I want to remind you that crisis is God's preferred method of bringing us to choice and to growth. Yeah. Amen? Crisis is God's preferred method for bringing us to choice and to growth. Amen? So Pastor talked a little bit about me as a surgeon, and, you know, I've had the opportunity once or twice to see somebody in the ER that had appendicitis. Yeah? So they've got pain, they've got a CT scan, everybody agrees they have appendicitis. So they call the surgeon. That's me. I go in, I meet the person, we talk, go through everything, and then, right, they have that moment of truth where they have to make a choice. Do you want to go to surgery? And will you allow me to do this procedure? They have to make that choice. And for that choice, they sign a piece of paper. And then once we start, right, once we go down that road, once you're asleep, we don't go back, right? We're there. We're doing it. And so that is an important moment, that moment of choice. Well, I'm here to remind you, all right, that some choices are bigger than others. All right? Some involve your appendix, some involve your life, some involve, right, your everlasting soul. And so, yes, we're at a point of crisis, and yes, God's choice, and yes, we now have choice, and yes, we can move to growth if we let it happen. Choice. You've got to make a choice. Well, see how this works at the slides. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Joshua 24 and 15. A.V.'s going to try to get it up, and I will read it. There we will find these words. 
And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day. Say this day. Choose you this day. Say choose you. Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. Well, we know this verse well, don't we? But as for me and my house, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Understand, do we face conflict and crisis? Yes. Did Joshua? Absolutely. Will this stop? No, it won't. Pastor talked about the rapture. This is going to happen until Jesus returns. If you are looking for heaven on earth, raise your hand, because I'm here to tell you, you won't find it. There's a reason that we are longing to go home with the Father because it will be a place where these crises, where this death, where this murder, where this pain will exist no more. But for right now, you and I are here and we have a choice to make. Choose ye this day. So at the time of this scripture, Joshua was old, right? He had led his people in battle, right? And now we had a time of transition. And this is very important, church, because what I find from the people I talk to who are atheists or non-believers and people who are new to the faith, I find a common thread, a similar mistake on both sides. They tend to try to take the Bible and pluck something out, all right, and talk about that particular thing without any context, without any appreciation of the process. Understand that what the Bible is giving us is a record of God's process. We cannot look at any one time. We cannot look at July 17, 2016 and what's happening and be able to understand all that God is doing. This is a process. God started with a creation that did not know him. Right? Man did not know evil. Man did not know sin. Man did not know sanctification. Man did not know salvation. Man was just man. Man didn't even really know God. And God has been moving him across time to a place of greater and greater fellowship, preparing him for a time when all there will be is fellowship with God. This is a process. So when atheists try to tell me, look, there's violence in the Bible. God sanctioned slavery. No, he did not. Look at the process. You cannot take anything that was happening at any one time and say, God obviously supported this thing because his people were doing it. No. It's a process. And God took people whom he loved, whom he created, whom he chose, and used them to demonstrate his love, his grace, his mercy, even in the midst of their evil doing. Amen? You too are in this process. We see here Joshua's in a transition. We're about to move from Moses to Joshua to Judges to Kings. We're moving. The people are entering into a new time. How many of us understand that right now we're moving? All this social media, all this digital highway, all this information age, we are entering into a different time. The president of Turkey 
right, just survived a military coup because he went on Twitter and Facebook and said, I need you all to come into the streets and save me. This is a new time. This is a new transition. But what will you do? Now, my wife is a math teacher, right, and from time to time she gives pop quizzes. And she comes home, she grades all these quizzes, and I say, sweetie, why do you do all these quizzes? You're grading all these quizzes. What she said, because I want them to know where they stand. You heard that, didn't you? See, God is allowing things to happen in your life, in the life of your county, in the life of your nation, right? Because before the final exam, before that rapture that the pastor talked about, he wants you to have an opportunity to know where you stand. Because some of you think you're getting an A, well, <laughs> but you're really getting a C. And some of you think you're getting a C, and you're really getting an F. Matthew 21 and 23, chapter 7 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have we not cast out demons? In thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I need you to understand there are people in churches, not this one, other churches, who are praying. Not this church's other ones. They are preaching. Not this church's other ones. They are doing wonderful work. They are raising money for their county. Right? They're feeding the hungry. They are clothing the naked. And guess what? They are going to hell. It's not a Mike Sainz word. It's not a Dr. Brantley word. That is a Jesus word. If we had this for you in the Bible, you would see that that was in red writing. Yeah. Right? They needed a pop quiz because they thought they were getting an A. But they really were getting an F in the heart of God. And so that's what we're talking about today, this choice, because this crisis has come not because you're going to fix it, because you're not God. Man has been killing and fighting man since Cain and Abel did it, and they've been doing it how? Under the auspices of God. But the question is, what will you choose, how will you live, and what will you do to secure your everlasting soul? Understand that this choice that God has given you is the greatest gift you could ever be given. God went out of his way. He stepped out of eternity. He made himself vulnerable to yield to your choice. When he created that tree in the garden and said, don't eat of this tree, he gave Adam and Eve real choice. Why did he give them real choice? Because real love requires real choice. Only on the other side of real choice, with real consequences, can you have real love. And so God is asking you today, what will you choose? Choose ye this day. Because there are other choices to make. There is the world. And there are real consequences. Some people will absolutely live forever out of fellowship with God in total damnation in a place we call hell. The greatest gift you've been given is your choice. So what will you choose? Will you choose accountability? And we're going to spend a little bit of time here because, Pastor, this is really the crux of the matter with everything that's going on today. Will you choose personal accountability? Will you choose to be accountable? And if you say yes, then the next question is to whom and to what standard? 
Pastor, can I step on just a few toes? The one thing that the, the supporters and the detractors of Hillary Clinton agree upon, all right, is that she did something wrong. Everybody agrees upon that. The question is, to what standard and to what consequence? Amen? What we're all clamoring for, white, black, and other, is accountability. What hurts us the most, what frustrates us the most, is the lack of accountability. When you were on Facebook and Twitter and at the water cooler and you were going on and on and on about Hillary and these emails, all right, but there was no word from you, right, with George Bush, Carl Rove, and those emails, and you hadn't even heard of that situation, there's a problem with accountability. There's a problem with credibility. And that's what hurts us moving forward. What people want is accountability. What God is looking for is accountability. Romans 14, 11, and 12, for it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. When this thing all goes down and what pastor talked about this rapture comes, you're not going to be able to say, those out-of-control black folks, Lord, it just would have been a better place. I'm not going to be able to say, oh, that racist cop, not going to happen. I'm not going to be able to say these radical Muslims, right? No, each of us is going to have to give an account for himself. So will you choose personal accountability? It's a hard thing because that's what we're really looking for is accountability. That's what we're really looking for, particularly now that we're struggling, right? The latest incidents, Alton Sterling, Castile, right, got us all whooped up, right? I told my wife when it first happened in the first press conference, there are a couple of things I saw that hurt my heart, right? One, I saw too many people at the mic, right? Too many people. Too many people trying to get in front of cameras, too many people trying to take advantage of a painful situation, too many people. Then I heard people trying to speak who couldn't speak. Irritates me, right? You're going to jump in front of the camera, you're going to grab the mic, please be able to talk. If you can't, stop. The other thing was, over and over again, I heard innocent, 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 innocent. And I said, Cindy, what is going to happen is the same thing that has happened over and over and over again. We're going to get these cries of innocent, innocent, innocent. Then they're going to publish his criminal record. Then there's going to be this clash because we said he was innocent and they said he wasn't innocent. And now we have this conflict. Well, the personal accountability, the reality is somewhere in between. The reality is that Alton Sterling was a criminal. That's the reality. His record says that. He assaulted people, right? He had carnal knowledge of a minor, right? He was violated, his parole on domestic abuse. He did things that none of us want to be done to us or a family member. That is the reality. He was not an innocent man. But none of what he did carried a capital punishment. And therein lies the issue. Accountability. See, if we don't take accountability for Alton Sterling's actions, and we don't take accountability for the policeman's actions, and all we do is stand there and point fingers, then what we really have done is denied God. 
Alton Sterling and that police officer do not have a heaven or hell to send you to. But how you treat them, how you think about them, how you speak on them will determine your everlasting destination because it's a manifestation of what's in your heart. Now, Castile, right? We don't know what happened, but what we do know is that that young man had been stopped 52 times. 52 times. Anybody here been stopped 52 times? And if you somehow think that it was all him, that it was all made up, that it was all make-believe, I just want you to ask yourself for a minute, why did our founders, why did the framers of the Constitution include language about illegal search and seizures? Why was that even in there? What were they intending to do? Understand that men of power have been kicking down the doors, have been stopping people, arresting people for a long time, and a lot of it has just been for power and money. They did the same thing to Christians, guys, right? If you wanted to take a Christian's land, you arrest him on some minor charge. He didn't have money to hire a lawyer, right? So he had to do his time in jail. By the time he spent his 30, 60 days in jail, he lost his crops, right? He couldn't pay his taxes, and then you were legally able to take his land. This is not a new thing. 52 times is ridiculous. There has to be a measure of accountability. And you say, well, why run? Why deal with this? I mean, recall not long ago the history of the chain gangs right here in Georgia. Understand that when slavery ended, right, and the still rich plantation owners had to have somebody to work that land because they weren't going to do it, there was another scheme, right? So let's go out, let's arrest people, and then let's lease them to plantation owners. Let's lease them to the state of Georgia and have them work for them. Hmm. And what happened with that, guys, the reality? That was worse than slavery. Because at least a slave owner, right, had personal responsibility for his slaves and wanted to see them healthy and reproduce so he could have more slaves. But when you were buying labor off the chain gang, you didn't care. So being arrested for throwing a piece of paper on the street or looking at a white woman or doing whatever the guy said you did went from being a nothing crime to a death sentence. Because when you went to the chain gang, you never made it home. And so we say, oh, well, wow, you have this experience. Why are you? Because even today, with records and paroles and access to student loans and different things, minor offenses will equal a death sentence. You have to write it on everything. You have to report it on everything. It is a death sentence. And so even when you are facing something minor and you know what's on the other side of this other stop in your mind, in your heart, in your experience, it becomes a fight for your very life. Did I excuse it? No. Do you understand it? Absolutely. Why? Because how we choose to deal with this, all right, is a manifestation of what's in our hearts. Accountability. You've got the Republican senator from South Carolina who says just in the last 12 months he's been stopped seven times. He's not a thug. Doesn't look like a thug. But he's been stopped seven times. I've been stopped and treated horribly. Never been a thug. I'm a nerd. I embrace nerdism. Nerds rock. 
I don't do Pokemon. <laughs> but when we are telling you guys that there is a problem, when we're telling you that you don't have to wear your pants low, have tattoos on your neck, have earrings, or whatever the common vision is, it's real. And when you say, no, I'm going to dismiss you, that's a manifestation of what's in your heart. Will you choose accountability? And the last part of this accountability that we really is hard to deal with is will you hold God accountable? See, a lot of times we don't understand when we really look at the world, when we look at the world and we're frustrated and we're mad, you know, we might blame it on Muslims, we might blame it on white people or black people or whatever, Democrats, Republicans, but who we're really shaking our fist at is God. Why would you let this happen? Why are you letting this happen? What kind of God do I serve? Why? That will send you to hell. Will you let God be sovereign and God? Will you let him allow bad things to happen to good people? Will you let him work through this process according to his will and his way? He chose to make Saul Paul. I can't tell you why. Why he would take Hitler and turn him into his greatest disciple? Why would he do that? But will you let him do that? It's a choice, accountability. And that's all we're looking for, all right, on both sides of all of these issues. But ultimately, it comes down to God. Next, will you choose another family? Luke 14 and 26, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Understand, family, that part of what is happening right now, part of why we can't move from where we are to where God wants us to be, where his praise is ever on my lips, praise is ever on my lips. You know why? Because we are stuck in these old families. We don't want to deal with the fact that the most terrorized place on earth is your family. Huh? Husbands are beating wives, mothers are shouting at kids, people are being molested, robbed, taken advantage of in the family. We don't deal with that. We want to point at somebody else, say somebody else is the problem. But what God has said is that I have given you a new family that there are going to be some folks that you share blood relations with who will not love me, who will not serve me, who will not accept me. They will not walk this way with me, and I need you to be able to choose to walk away from them and to walk to me. But we're too busy holding on to old families and old traditions, right? I was raised in a black nationalist community, so I want to just run under the red, black, and green flag. Right? I'm from the South. I want to run under the Dixie flag, under the Confederate flag, or this flag, or that flag, or this thing, or that thing. My uncle, my grandfather. Guess what, guys? None of that matters on the day that Pastor talked about when that horn blows, and that trumpet sounds, and the skies open, and God comes. He's not going to want to hear about the things that your daddy did, the things that your grandfather did, what your grandmother taught you. He's going to want to know, did you choose ye this day to serve me or the gods that your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in the land in which you dwell? What did you choose? 
Because God is speaking right and wrong to each and every one of us, and we are all being held account. If you don't believe me, read Romans 1, because it says that they will be without excuse. You will not be able to use any excuse to why you didn't choose love and justice and sacrifice, why you didn't choose to love the same people that Jesus died for. We won't love our enemies, will we? No, because I'm right and they're wrong. But the Bible says that if you love only those who love you, what have you done? Even sinners love that way. If you are going to be the child of God, if you're going to be saved of God, if you've really been born again, then you will love in a way that other people cannot understand. He just shot your son. How can you pray for him first? Because I know my son was saved. I'm not sure about that cop. What will you choose? Will you choose to seek truth? And we're coming on down. Pastor Omi now. Pastor Omi giving me that look. Got the clock ticking. Bring that thing on. Circle, making a circle now. This is so important. 2 Timothy 2 and 15, all right? Study to show thyself approved, a workman that need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Some of the people who are the most ignorant about the Bible are folks that claim to be Christians. See, that day when your knee will bow and your tongue confess, you're not going to be able to say, my pastor said. You're not going to be able to say, I saw it on Facebook. Right, please, now how many of you all know that lies can go on the internet too? Right? Right, don't post anything on my Facebook page like it's truth because somebody said it from whatsthematter.com. Understand the accountability that God is holding you to, to study. Understand, he didn't say read, right? Didn't say do a devotional, right? Didn't say spend 23 hours doing everything else, 45 minutes doing something else, and 15 minutes skimming my word and saying, hey, I'm good. That is not study. God is calling you to truth. I am the truth, the way, the life. Truth. He is truth. He's calling you to truth. And guess what? You have to diligently seek truth. When is the last time you read a book that you studied a reference material, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that is not studying. Pre-digested words are not studying. Will you seek the truth? And what will you do when you find it? Will you be able to say, I was wrong? My daddy was wrong. My granddaddy was wrong. I was on this path, but now I will seek another. It's hard, father, husband, to look your family in the face and say, for years I have said this, I was wrong. It's hard to say, you know what? All of this family tradition, all of this normal talk around the Thanksgiving table, around the basketball game, right? I was wrong. And it's more important to you that you go to heaven than it is for you to think that your daddy got it all right. Amen. 
Will you seek truth with all that you have? And what will you do when you find it? And lastly, choose you this day. Will you choose God? And when I ask that question, I mean all of God. We have a history of taking bits and pieces. But we know God is three in one, right? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Some folks get real scared of that last part there. Real scared of that Holy Ghost part. I stand before you telling you that the transformation that God wants for you in your life, you cannot do it on your own. And if you have not, if you refuse, if you will not receive the Holy Spirit into you, into your life, to rule and abide in you, then you will never be what God has called you to be, and you will never be able to fellowship with him in heaven. It is the Holy Spirit that moves you to love the unlovable. It is the Holy Spirit that moves you to give your all for someone who has neither asked for it or deserves it. It is the Holy Spirit that will move you to give all that you have, even your life, for the service of the King. We sang and most of us lied. His praise is not ever on our lips. Because we've got a lot of hate and frustration and backbiting and tattling and all kind of other stuff on our lips. God can't get a word in edgewise. Will you choose God? Some of you come to church regularly. You come to Bible study, small groups, you tithe, you offer, you do all those things. Guess what, guys? You can do all of those things without the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't cuss, you don't go to strip clubs, you can go on and on and on. You don't do heroin, crack, you don't beat your wife, you don't beat your husband. We go on, on. Guess what? You do not have to be embodied with the Holy Spirit to do those things. You realize that the Ten Commandments are negatives? You could live your life by the Ten Commandments and still not be filled by the Holy Spirit. As we go on and on and on about what not to do, but what will you do? And this is a question for each and every one of us. Look at your life. What in your life right now are you doing that you absolutely could not do without the Holy Spirit? Has God called you to this place? If he has, then the pastor should not have to beg and borrow and pry and plead to get you to be active in ministry because if the Holy Spirit called you here, he called you here to do something. But we're comfortable living lives without the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, we want his blessing. We want his protection. We want his provision, but we don't want his lordship. What if you let the Holy Spirit in and he says you can't listen to that? 
What if you let the Holy Spirit in and he says you can't go there? You can't watch that. Do you trust him enough to remove things from your life and to fill them in a way that you never miss those things that he removed? Will you receive the Holy Spirit? Because otherwise, guys, understand, we talk about black issues, white issues, American issues. Guess what? Groups of people don't make choices. There's no monolithic black man. I'm different than that man. My experience, my understanding, my approach to things, there's no monolithic white man. These two are related and they're not the same. For us to come together and talk about black man and white man, we're missing the issue. It's about this man. What will this man do? Because in the beginning, before we had all of this, before we had tracks and CDs, even before we had Bibles, do you know what the greatest evangelical tool was of the disciples? Their lives. But guess what? It wasn't the size of their houses. It wasn't the cars they were driving. It wasn't the size of their TVs. Huh? It was the way they were willing to suffer and die with a smile on their face. Now we've gotten confused that somehow we've got to maintain stuff and we've got to fight for our stuff. Hillary's trying to take my stuff. Trump trying to take my stuff. Osama bin Laden's trying to take my stuff. But when all there is for you is God and everything else, then you'll realize that nobody out there can take that which matters most to you. And if Mike Sainz can't take from me what matters most to me, then why should I fear him? And now, instead of him being an object of fear, he becomes an object of my love. Now, when I see a police officer, right, who maybe has done all kinds of things, right, instead of him being an object of fear, of hate, of distrust, I am saying, God, transform him with every tattoo, with everything he's done, with everything he's been through. God, use me to be a transformative agent. Move him. It may just be his experience with me that saves his soul. When we allow the Holy Spirit to rule and buy within us, then people just don't become value products based on their incomes and W-2s, but they become immensely invaluable because they are the children of God. I can look at your W-2, I can look at your tithes and never know what you mean to God. And if you are important to God, then you must be important to me. Because guys, yeah, I have a good job. Dr. Sainz talked about it. I've got a good family. My family loves me. For so much of my life, I have felt like I have fallen short. So much of my life, I was empty, chasing grades, chasing race, chasing things. And then I found Jesus. Raised in the 60s in Chicago, in a black nationalist home where Christianity was the white man's religion, I found Jesus. A father 
who told his wife, I can't believe you brought that Pocahontas movie in here for my little babies to watch with this little colored child who turns on her colored family and runs off with this white man, I found Jesus. And guess where I found him, church? In the arms of a white man. The last place I wanted to be. Visiting a church, we thought it was a black church. True story. Saw it was full of white people, tried to turn around. But there was a little heavy set white lady with rosy cheeks that saw us turning around and she ran to the door. And she grabbed her, come on, come, come, come on. What in the world? A wasted morning, right? I don't want to hear those songs. I don't want to hear those prayers. I don't want to hear that sermon. I was looking for a black church. And in the arms of that white man, I met a Jesus that had no color. In the arms of that white man, God called me to a different level of accountability. He set the stage for the rest of my life. He said, people will try to distract you with black and white. People will try to distract you with politics, liberal, conservative. People will try to distract you with a lot of things. I want you to be a man for me in the midst of all of that. But in the end, I want you to remember that I called you here in a place that you would never choose and in a place that would never choose you. And so, yeah, we have crisis in America. But thank by the blood of Jesus who went to a cross, who was buried, who stayed and rose and went to heaven with all power in his hands, we have choice today to move from this crisis to a choice, a rededication, a recommitment, a revival so that we might grow and be the America that God has called us to be. Will you be a light set upon a hill? We're not going to do it at any one time altogether. We will do it one person, one choice at a time. Pastor's going to come and he's going to pray and close according to the way God leads him. I thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you my heart. I thank you for your attention. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the support of my friend, this pastor, who I know is on fire for God. Please don't leave here the same way you came. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give him a hand, would you? What an awesome and powerful and on-time word. Amen. We got a choice today. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will. We're going to say a closing prayer. But listen, the choice in America, he says this, are we going to choose today accountability and if so to what degree or are we going to choose a new family are we going to choose truth to seek it and find it and if we do find it what are we going to do with it are we going to choose God are we going to choose to walk with him in the good times and in the bad times and choose to trust him the choice is ours every one of us not a black man not a white man red man but the choice for each of us must stand before the judgment seat of Christ for ourselves. I want you to bow with me in prayer right now, and I want us to, to pray 
based on this message that uh, Dr. Brantley delivered today. The choice is yours. Now, Father, I come to you and I bring these people to you. The question today is, will you choose? Will you choose to be accountable? I choose to be accountable, God. And to what degree and to what level? Lord, will we choose a new family today? Lord, will we choose a family not based on color of skin, but on you? Will we choose truth and will we truly seek it and love it and find it like a treasure that was found in a field? Lord, will we truly choose God over prejudice and bigotry and anything else? Lord, that's a question that we all must answer today. Lord, right now I ask you to touch every man, woman, boy, and girl in this building right now. Lord, as we choose now to let you deal with the things in our heart, whether it's bigotry or hatred or prejudice or racism, whatever it is, that we look at people and say, you, my friend, were made in the image of God. And I love you because he created you, regardless uh, what race, color, creed, or nationality, what ethnicity. I love you because you are created by the Father. Lord, I just ask you right now to minister to this body. I pray right now that hurts would be healed. I pray, Lord, that long-held beliefs would be brought into check right now as Gideon had to, or Gideon's father, really, who, who, who worshipped idols and Baal. Gideon cut those Baals down, those statues down, converted his father because after a long-held belief, he changed his mind. Abraham's father, Terah, likewise. Lord, so I pray right now, if, if we hold things for years and years and years, and sometimes we don't even know why we believe what we believe, other than because it's tradition, I pray, God, that we would find and choose that truth today. You are truth, O oh God. Your word is truth. And though heaven and earth pass away, thy word will never pass away. It is forever settled in heaven, not a jot or a tittle shall pass, but it'll all come to fruition. It'll all come to pass. Thank you for your divine visitation today. Thank you, Lord, for touching Dr. Brantley. Thank you for the timely word for this crisis in America. We have a choice. Help us make the right one. In Jesus' name. Amen.